Section 7 of the Arabian Nights Entertainments, Volume 3, translated by Jonathan Scott. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gillian Hendry. The Arabian Nights Entertainments, Volume 3, translated by Jonathan Scott, 1754 to 1829. Section 7. The History of Prince Zain al-Asnam and the Sultan of the Genie. Part 2. They soon came to a vast lake. Mubarak sat down on the brink of it, saying to the prince, We must cross this sea. How can we, answered Zain, when we have no boat? You will see one appear in a moment, replied Mubarak. The enchanted boat of the Sultan of the Genie will come for us. But do not forget what I am going to say to you. You must observe a profound silence. Do not speak to the boatman, though his figure seems strange to you. Whatever extraordinary circumstance you observe, say nothing. For I tell you beforehand that if you utter one word when we are embarked, the boat will sink. I shall take care to hold my peace, said the prince. You need only tell me what I am to do, and I will strictly comply. Whilst they were talking, he spied on a sudden a boat in the lake, made of red sandalwood. It had a mast of fine amber, and a blue satin flag. There was only one boatman in it, whose head was like an elephant's, and his body like that of a tiger. When the boat was come up to the prince and Mubarak, the monstrous boatman took them up one after another with his trunk, put them into his boat, and carried them over the lake in a moment. He then again took them up with his trunk, set them ashore, and immediately vanished with his boat. Now we may talk, said Mubarak. The island we are in belongs to the sultan of the genie. Look round you, prince. Can there be a more delightful spot? It is certainly a lively representation of the charming place God has appointed for the faithful observers of our law. Behold the fields adorned with all sorts of flowers and odoriferous plants. Admire those beautiful trees whose delicious fruit makes the branches bend down to the ground. Enjoy the pleasure of those harmonious songs formed in the air by a thousand birds of as many various sorts unknown in other countries. Zayn could not sufficiently admire the beauties with which he was surrounded, and still found something new as he advanced farther into the island. At length they came before a palace built of emeralds, encompassed by a wide moat, on the banks whereof, at certain distances, were planted such tall trees that they shaded the whole palace. Before the gate, which was of massive gold, was a bridge, formed of one single shell of a fish, though it was at least six fathoms long, and three in breadth. At the head of the bridge stood a company of genie, of a prodigious height, who guarded the entrance into the castle with great clubs of china steel. "'Let us at present proceed no farther,' said Mubarak. "'These genie will destroy us, and in order to prevent their coming to us, we must perform a magical ceremony. He then drew out of a purse which he had under his garment 
four long slips of yellow taffeta. One he put about his middle, and laid the other on his back, giving the other two to the prince who did the like. Then Mobarak laid on the ground two large tablecloths, on the edges whereof he scattered some precious stones, musk and amber. Afterwards he sat down on one of the cloths, and Zayn on the other. And Mobarak said to the prince, I shall now, sir, conjure the sultan of the genie, who lives in the palace that is before us. May he come in a peaceable mood to us. I confess I am not without apprehension about the reception he may give us. If our coming into this island is displeasing to him, he will appear in the shape of a dreadful monster. But if he approves of your design, he will show himself in the shape of a handsome man. As soon as he appears before us, you must rise and salute him, without going off your cloth, for you would certainly perish should you stir from it. You must say to him, Sovereign Lord of the Genie, my father who was your servant has been taken away by the angel of death. I wish your majesty to protect me, as you always protected my father. If the Sultan of the Genie, said Mubarak, ask you what favour you desire of him, you must answer, I most humbly beg of you to give me the ninth statue. Mubarak, having thus instructed Prince Zain, began his conjuration. Immediately their eyes were dazzled by a long flash of lightning, which was followed by a clap of thunder. The whole island was covered with a thick darkness. A furious storm of wind blew. A dreadful cry was heard. The island felt a shock, and there was such an earthquake as that which Azrael is to cause on the day of judgment. Zayn was startled, and began to regard these concussions of the elements as a very ill omen, when Mobarak, who knew better than he what to judge, began to smile, and said, Take courage, my prince, all goes well. In short, that very moment, the sultan of the genie appeared in the shape of a very handsome man, yet there was something of a sternness in his air. As soon as Sultan Zayn had made him the compliment he had been taught by Mubarak, the sultan of the genie, smiling, answered, my son, I loved your father, and every time he came to pay me his respects, I presented him with a statue which he carried away with him. I have no less kindness for you. I obliged your father, some days before he died, to write that which you read on the piece of white satin. I promised him to receive you under my protection, and to give you the ninth statue, which in beauty surpasses those you have already. I had begun to perform my promise to him. It was I whom you saw in a dream in the shape of an old man. I caused you to open the subterraneous place where the urns and the statues are deposited. I have a great share in all that has befallen you, or rather, am the occasion of all. I know the motive that brought you hither. You shall obtain what you desire. Though I had not promised your father to give it, I would willingly grant it to you. But you must first swear to me, by all that is sacred, that you will return to this island, and that you will bring me a maid who is in her fifteenth year, has never loved nor desired to. She must also be perfectly beautiful, and you, so much a master of yourself, as not even to desire her as you are conducting her hither. 
Sultan Zayn took the rash oath demanded of him. But, my lord, said he, suppose I should be so fortunate as to meet with such a maid as you require, how shall I know that I have found her? I own, answered the Sultan of the Genie, smiling, that you might be mistaken in her appearance. That knowledge is above the sons of Adam, and therefore I do not mean to depend upon your judgment in that particular. I will give you a looking-glass, which will be more certain than your conjectures. When you shall have seen a maiden fifteen years of age, perfectly beautiful, you need only look into the glass in which you shall see her figure. If she be chaste, the glass will remain clean and unsullied. But if, on the contrary, it sullies, that will be a certain sign that she has not always been prudent, or at least that she has desired to cease to be so. Do not forget the oath you have taken. Keep it like a man of honour. Otherwise, I will take away your life, notwithstanding the kindness I have for you. Zayn al-Asnan protested again that he would faithfully keep his word. The sultan of the genie then delivered to him a looking-glass, saying, My son, you may return when you please. There is the glass you are to use. Zayn and Mubarak took leave of the sultan of the genie, and went towards the lake. The boatman with the elephant's head brought the boat, and ferried them over the lake as he had done before. They joined their servants, and returned with them again to Cairo. The young sultan rested a few days at Mubarak's house, and then said to him, Let us go to Baghdad, to seek a maiden for the sovereign of the genie. Why, are we not at Grand Cairo? answered Mubarak. Shall we not there find beautiful maidens? You are in the right, answered the prince, but how shall we explore where they are? Do not trouble yourself about that, answered Mubarak. I know a very shrewd old woman, whom I will entrust with the affair, and she will acquit herself well. Accordingly, the old woman found means to show the sultan a considerable number of beautiful maidens of fifteen years of age. But when he had viewed them, and came to consult his looking-glass, the fatal touchstone of their virtue, the glass always appeared sullied. All the maidens in the court and city, who were in their fifteenth year, underwent the trial one after another, but the glass never remained bright and clear. When they saw there were no chaste maidens to be found in Cairo, they went to Baghdad, where they hired a magnificent palace in one of the chief quarters of the city, and began to live splendidly. They kept open house, and after all people had eaten in the palace, the fragments were carried to the dervishes, who by that means had comfortable subsistence. There lived in that quarter a pedant, whose name was Bubeker Muezin, a vain, haughty, and envious person. He hated the rich, only because he was poor, his misery making him angry at his neighbour's prosperity. He heard talk of Zayn al-Asnam, and of the plenty his house afforded. This was enough for him to take an aversion to that prince, and it proceeded so far that one day, after the evening prayer in the mosque, he said to the people, Brethren, I have been told there is come to live in our ward a stranger who every day gives away immense sums. How do we know but that this unknown person is some villain who has committed a robbery in his own country, and comes hither to enjoy himself? 
Let us take care, brethren. If the caliph should be informed that such a man is in our ward, it is to be feared he will punish us for not acquainting him with it. I declare for my part I wash my hands of the affair, and if anything should happen amiss, it shall not lie at my door. The multitude, who are easily led away, with one voice cried to Babeker, It is your business. Do you acquaint the council with it? The muezzin went home well pleased, and drew up a memorial, resolving to present it to the caliph next day. But Mubarak, who had been at prayers, and heard all that was said by the muezzin, put five hundred pieces of gold into a handkerchief, made up with a parcel of several silks, and went to Bebeker's house. The muezzin asked him in a harsh tone what he wanted. "'Holy father,' answered Mubarak, with an obliging air, and at the same time putting into his hand the gold and the silk, "'I am your neighbour and your servant.' I come from Prince Zain, who lives in this ward. He has heard of your worth, and has ordered me to come and tell you that he desires to be acquainted with you, and in the meantime desires you to accept of this small present. Bubeker was transported with joy, and answered Mubarak thus, Be pleased, sir, to beg the prince's pardon for me. I am ashamed I have not yet been to see him, but I will atone for my fault and wait on him to-morrow. Accordingly, the next day after morning prayer, he said to the people, You must know from your own experience, brethren, that no man is without some enemies. Envy pursues those chiefly who are very rich. The stranger I spoke to you about yesterday in the evening is no bad man, as some ill-designing persons would have persuaded me. He is a young prince, endowed with every virtue, it behoves us to take care how we give any injurious report of him to the caliph. Bubeker, having thus wiped off the impression he had the day before given the people concerning Zain, returned home, put on his best apparel, and went to visit the young prince, who gave him a courteous reception. After several compliments had passed on both sides, Bubeker said to the prince, "'Sir, do you design to stay long at Baghdad?' I shall stay, answered Zayn, till I can find a maid fifteen years of age, perfectly beautiful, and so chaste that she has not only never loved a man, but even never desired to do so. You seek after a great rarity, replied the muezzin, and I should be apt to fear your search would prove unsuccessful, did I not know where there is a maid of that character. Her father was formerly a vizier, but has left the court, and lived a long time in a lone house, where he applies himself solely to the education of his daughter. If you please, I will ask her of him for you. I do not question, but he will be overjoyed to have a son-in-law of your quality. Not so fast, said the prince. I shall not marry the maid before I know whether I like her. As for her beauty, I can depend on you, but... What assurance can you give me in relation to her virtue? What assurance do you require? said Bubeker. I must see her face, answered Zayn. That is enough to determine my resolution. You are skilled, then, in physiognomy? replied the muezzin, smiling. Well, come along with me to her father's. I will desire him to let you see her one moment in his presence. 
the muezzin conducted the prince to the vizier's who as soon as he was acquainted with the prince's birth and design called his daughter and made her take off her veil never had the young sultan of bussorah beheld such a perfect and striking beauty he stood amazed and since he could then try whether the maid was as chaste as fair he pulled out his glass which remained bright and unsullied when he perceived he had at length found such a person as he desired he entreated the vizier to grant her to him immediately the cause was sent for the contract signed and the marriage prayer said after this ceremony zayn conducted the vizier to his house where he treated him magnificently and gave him considerable presents next day he sent a prodigious quantity of jewels by mubarak who conducted the bride home where the wedding was kept with all the pomp that became zayn's quality when all the company was dismissed mubarak said to his master let us be gone sir let us not stay any longer at baghdad but return to cairo remember the promise you made the sultan of the genie let us go answered the prince i must take care to perform it exactly yet i must confess my dear mubarak that if i obey the sultan of the genie it is not without reluctance the damsel I have married is so charming that I am tempted to carry her to Bussorah and place her on the throne. <gasps> Alas, sir, answered Mubarak, take heed how you give way to your inclination. Make yourself master of your passions, and whatever it costs you, be as good as your word to the sultan of the genie. Well then, Mubarak, said the prince, do you take care to conceal the lovely maid from me? let her never appear in my sight perhaps i have already seen too much of her mubarak made all ready for their departure they returned to cairo and thence set out for the island of the sultan of the genie when they were arrived the maid who had performed the journey in a horse litter and whom the prince had never seen since his wedding day said to mubarak where are we shall we be soon in the dominions of the prince my husband madam answered mubarak it is time to undeceive you prince zayn married you only in order to get you from your father he did not engage his faith to make you sovereign of bussorah but to deliver you to the sultan of the genie who has asked of him a virgin of your character at these words she began to weep bitterly which moved the prince and Mubarak. "'Take pity on me,' said she. "'I am a stranger. "'You will be accountable to God "'for your treachery towards me.' Her tears and complaints were of no effect, for she was presented to the sultan of the genie, who, having gazed on her with attention, said to Zayn, "'Prince, I am satisfied with your behaviour. "'The virgin you have brought me "'is beautiful and chaste.' and I am pleased with the restraint you have put upon yourself to be as good as your promise to me. Return to your dominions, and when you shall enter the subterraneous room where the eight statues are, you shall find the ninth which I promised you. I will make my genie carry it thither. Zayn thanked the sultan and returned to Cairo with Mubarak, but did not stay long in Egypt for his impatience to see the ninth statue made him hasten his departure. However, 
he could not but often think regretfully of the young virgin he had married and blaming himself for having deceived her he looked upon himself as the cause and instrument of her misfortune alas said he to himself i have taken her from a tender father to sacrifice her to a genie oh incomparable beauty you deserve a better fate sultan zain disturbed with these thoughts at length reached bussorah where his subjects made extraordinary rejoicings for his return he went directly to give an account of his journey to his mother who was in a rapture to hear that he had obtained the ninth statue let us go my son said she let us go and see it for it is certainly in the subterraneous chamber since the sultan of the genie told you you should find it there the young sultan and his mother being both impatient to see the wonderful statue went down into the room of the statues but how great was their surprise when instead of a statue of diamonds they beheld on the ninth pedestal a most beautiful virgin whom the prince knew to be the same whom he had conducted into the island of the genie prince said the young maid you are surprised to see me here you expected to have found something more precious than me and i question not but that you now repent having taken so much trouble you expected a better reward madam answered zayn heaven is my witness that i more than once had nearly broken my word with the sultan of the genie to keep you to myself whatever be the value of a diamond statue is it worth the satisfaction of having you mine i love you above all the diamonds and wealth in the world just as he had done speaking a clap of thunder was heard which shook the subterranean place zayn's mother was alarmed but the sultan of the genie immediately appearing dispelled her fear madam said he to her i protect and love your son i had a mind to try whether at his age he could subdue his passions i know the charms of this young lady have wrought on him and that he did not punctually keep the promise he had made me not to desire her but i am well acquainted with the frailty of human nature this is the ninth statue i designed for him it is more rare and precious than the others live said he directing his discourse to the young prince live happy zayn with this young lady who is your wife and if you would have her true and constant to you love her always and love her only give her no rival and i will answer for her fidelity having spoken these words the sultan of the genie vanished and zayn enchanted with the young lady the same day caused her to be proclaimed queen of bussara over which they reigned in mutual happiness to an advanced age end of section seven end of the history of prince zayn al-asnan and the sultan of the genie